Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Always great to be here with you. Excited about the message and the series that we're in. I want to just take a minute. We've already said it once, maybe even twice, but if this is your first time here today, uh, we're thrilled to have you. And uh, just as a quick reminder, most of the things that happen at High Point, you can get engaged with by texting HP Info to 97000. We'd love to help you get connected and be part of what's happening here at High Point. Today, uh, I want to talk to you about the one thing that every relationship desperately needs and yet most relationships are in dire need of. And that is the word patience. Most relationships, most people uh, are in desperate need of greater quantities of this little thing that we call patience. And yet for most of us, uh, we laugh about it, we acknowledge it, um, we tell stories about our lack thereof uh, regarding patience, but rarely do we actually do anything about it. Rarely do we actually pursue any kind of plan to grow in the fruit of the Spirit that we call patience. And it is one of the things, ladies and gentlemen, as you're watching today, uh, that if we would just have a little bit more of, if we would just intentionally pursue, it is amazing what it would do in the life of your relationships, in your home, in your heart. It's amazing what God would do if you will commit to growing in patience. Here's the reality, though. Uh, if, you, if you've ever been to like the drive-thru, uh, you know, fast food drive-thru, and you've ever... <laughs> You ever gotten home with your drive-thru only to like open it up and the person at the window forgot to put all the sauce packets in the bag? You know what I'm talking about. You've got all these fries and no ketchup or you've got no, uh, you know, no Zaxby's special sauce or whatever, you know, whatever your, your choice of sauce is. They forgot it. That is how I feel many times when it comes to patience. It's like God, he just, he forgot to, to you know, to give it out to everybody. And, and of course, you know, there's, there's the one or two people who get all of it. You know, it's like they, they drive through the spiritual drive through and God bestows them with all the patience packets and everyone else is left without. Is that true? No, it is not. But does it feel that way? <laughs> Sometimes, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. You know, there's just a, everybody knows someone who just has that grace of patience and nothing bothers them. They just are even keeled. Their feathers are rarely ruffled. They just are patient people. And those people bother all of the other people who don't feel so blessed in this area, right? But here's the, the truth is this. We can laugh about it. We can talk about it. But I think most of us would agree that when we look at the social landscape, our churches, our businesses, our homes, if we look back at politics, even like right now or in the past year, two, three years, 10 years even, I think we can all agree that so much of the pain points that we have experienced, we, we would experience far less if we had just a little bit more patience and a little bit more kindness. If you do inventory, if you take inventory in your, in your own life and you, 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 you take stock of the people who have had the biggest influence in your life, 
And then you, you, you kind of chart out the, the, the qualities that make that person such an impact in your life. You know what's interesting? It's rarely do we write it down or rarely when you're thinking about it do you think of patience as one of those virtues that stands out as the most impacting quality of a person upon your life. And yet, if you look at the people who have had that kind of impact, nearly all of them will share this common foundational fruit of the Spirit called patience. That coach, the teacher, your mom, your dad, your spouse, your pastor, that friend. Many of the people, most of the people who've had the greatest impact on your life are the people who've been the most patient with you. So how do we grow in patience? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. We are in a series that is designed to get us into the, the, obviously the Bible, but 1 Corinthians 13, and we are talking about what it looks like to love one another. The Corinthian church is a gifted church, a talented church, a growing church, a wealthy church, but they are also a selfish church. The world has revolved around them and their gifts, so to speak. And Paul is helping straighten out what it really looks like to love each other with a Christ-like love. In the first three verses, he talks about what love isn't. And when he gets to verse 4, where we're starting today, he begins to talk about what love is. If you want to go back and catch the the, the first two uh, messages, you can do that by, by looking at the podcast or go to our website But for time's sake, we're going to jump straight in with verse 4 today. Paul says this, writing to the Corinthian church. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It isn't self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now you need to know, we're going to begin breaking down these verses with each passing week. I'm not going to try to to unpack all of this today because these things, while just a few little words crammed together, there's so much here and what it looks like to really love us, to love each other. We're going to talk today about the fact that love is patient and love is kind. One of the reasons that that we have such difficulty with this, this idea of patience, specifically patience today, is that very few things in our life are designed to cultivate it and grow it. Uh, Many of you are watching service today either from your TV, your smart TV, uh, your laptop, or maybe even your phone. And last night I came home uh, from work and Amy and I, neither of us wanted to cook or prepare food. And so Amy's upstairs giving haircuts to the boys and she says, hey, you know what, why don't you decide what we're going to eat? So I go to the app store and I download an app and I have food picked out for us literally in about 10 minutes and then it's delivered within 30, right? the, The amount of speed afforded to me and luxury afforded to me through technology is amazing. I don't have to wait for much. You want groceries? Just go to Kroger, go to Walmart, go go to Publix and, and literally create your click list on your phone. 
You can have it delivered to your home, or if you really want to put in the work, you can pull into the parking lot where they will open up your trunk and put your groceries in the back of your car. At any given time, you can have a conversation instantaneously with somebody in Hawaii, somebody in China, somebody in Australia. You can, you can have a conversation with all three of those people at the exact same time. And if you want to actually see each other, just click the video button, and now you can literally see one another. You want to read a book? No problem. Pick whatever book you want and download it with the snap of a finger. Want to watch a show? Done. Want to engage with a movie? Piece of cake. You want to read the news? Want to watch the news? Want to make news? You can do it all instantly instantaneously from your phone with no waiting, with no requirement of patience. Not only that, if you're like the leadership team at our church, you can, like we did, watch the landing of the space rover live on the planet Mars. We wait for nothing. We are afforded everything and we wait for virtually nothing. And I haven't even talked about shopping on Amazon. And literally just about anything you want can be delivered to your home. The click of a button within 24 to 48 hours. This is the world that we live in. It's no surprise then that patience is difficult for us to come by. In fact, I find that with my device, the longer I'm on my phone, the more irritable I become. Why? Because with just the swiping of a few fingers, I am the God of my own little world. I can do anything I want, how I want, when I want, and who I want with. Now, am I literally God? No, but I am sometimes subtly influenced into thinking that I am. If you give children devices for a long enough time, they turn into monsters. Why? Because literally, again, everything, they can, they can do everything. They are the masters of their own little world, and this is not how the world actually works. So when reality sets in, that you cannot do what you want, when you want, how you want. It's deeply frustrating and impatience, the fruit of it, is evident in our lives. When we're stuck in Nashville, and there's, there's, you're going to hear, uh, uh, well, you've already heard about how we can help uh, our friends in Texas. But Amy and I, when the snow and ice hit, we were in Nashville, Tennessee. And we couldn't get home for a few days because there was so much snow and ice. But when we finally got on the road and are driving, we're behind people who didn't really know how to drive in the snow. And I can feel myself getting frustrated, right? The lack of patience and grace and kindness is flaring up inside of me. Now, I, have, I grew up in, a, in an environment where snow was pretty common every winter. So you learn how to drive in it. But if you haven't driven in it, why would you know how to drive in it? Right? <laughs> Yet I can feel myself getting frustrated. What is wrong with these people? And Amy, you know, she's, honey, just relax. We're going to get home. What's the big deal? It is a big deal. 
We need to get going. These people need to know how to drive in the snow. But why? Why is it such a big deal? What is the concern? What is it that's got you, you know, upset or frustrated in your soul? Is it really that big of a deal? No, it isn't. It wasn't. And it isn't. Yet the fruit of impatience and the fruit of a world that is perfectly constructed to my desires is coming to light. Love is patient and love is kind. Your love for other people, it should look patient and it should look kind. Peter writes this. He's one of the uh, Jesus' disciples. He writes this in, in chapter 3 of 2 Peter. He says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. I love how he writes this. Dear, dear friends, people that I love, man, don't forget this. It's really important. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You need to know something about the character of God today. He is so patient with you. It is his kindness his kindness wrapped in patience that draws us to repentance. He's patient with us, allowing us to grow and to become the, the fullness of who he has called us to be. There are also moments and times and seasons where you've just been a knucklehead and you have persisted in disobedience, yet God has been patient with you because that's who he is. God is not patient with you because you deserve it. He's patient because that's who he is. That is his character. That's the nature of God. His love is patient and his love is kind. I find it helpful when we, when we read even 1 Corinthians 13. I read something this past week that challenged me to read it like this. Changing the word love for God in this moment. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He isn't self-seeking. God is not easily angered. And he keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And he always protects, always, tr always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is what God is like. And this is how God treats you and I. When I think of, of this going sideways, not only can I, I mean, I could give you a host of examples in my own life where I've been a train wreck as it pertains to patience. And you can too. It's easy for patience to come in short supply. But understand, we, we see somebody who really demonstrates a life of this. And that is, that is the judge, Samson, okay? In Judges chapter 14 too, uh, we see one of the deliverers that God uses uh, to, to, to deliver Israel, to set Israel free from oppressors 
is Samson. He uses Gideon. He uses Deborah uh, as well. But in this particular case, we've got, we've got a young man who has immense strength afforded to him. If you know the story about Samson, he's like the Incredible Hulk. He has immense power and strength. And because of his gifting, he has not had to develop the character to go along with it. And the same challenge is in front of of the city of Corinth, the church of Corinth. Oh, they're immensely gifted. But because of their giftedness, they have not developed the character required to steward it. How many times have we seen the same principle play out in politics with pastors, uh, with with people who are celebrities? Oh, they have all the gifting, but they have little character to back it up. And we see Samson demanding a wife from his mom and dad. He demands it. Verse 14, 2 says, when he returns, he says to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there are a lot of things we could say to this. Okay. We're, we're going to address just some of the, the issues here of the selfish nature of Samson and the lack of patience at work. He doesn't want to wait. Get it for me. Get her for me. And get her for me now. One of the other things that we see with Samson on his way to get his bride, he walks through the, the, the vineyards of Timnah, the Bible says. And here in this vineyard, he encounters a lion. And this story feels kind of benign to us, kind of just like footnote material. But what you may not realize is that one of the things that Samson has been instructed by God to do is to take up a Nazarite vow. And that he's not supposed to, uh, to, to, to partake of fermented drink, and he's not supposed to be around anything that would make him spiritually unclean. And here we see Samson on the way to get his bride walking through the vineyards, the very place where we would be getting fermented drink, and then kills a lion. And as he returns through that vineyard, he finds this, this carcass of a lion, and bees have made a, a, a nest And there's honey in the body of this lion. And he scoops the honey out and he begins to eat it, making him unclean. What we see is Samson once again doing what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. He's pushing the envelope. We're we're, we're meant to understand that, 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 that Samson is going his own way. He hasn't, he's still not trusting God. He's still not demonstrating a life of patient waiting on God to show him, to lead him, to direct his steps. And this very thing plays out over and over again in his life. Not only personally, but in his relationships and in his relationship with God. See, Samson, he could have gone around the vineyard. And he could have avoided the dead lion. But again, what I want, when I want, how I want. Samson eventually marries a woman named Delilah. She betrays him. 
And he loses all of his strength as his hair is cut. And it's a, it's a great story. You should read it in, in Judges chapter 14. We see Samson losing his temper. We see Samson killing. We see Samson in murderous rages. We see Samson enacting vengeance. We see him whining. We see him complaining. We see him sleeping around. We see him lusting. He makes demands. He rejects wisdom. Again, I've said it now probably four or five times. He takes what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And what we are seeing is that the impatience is the fruit of a life that serves itself. Impatience is the fruit of a life that serves itself. If everything in my life is about me, I will never have the ability to develop patience. And it will play out in all of my relationships. Many of you can identify with A single moment that you would love to undo something that you said that was rash, a look that you gave, and and it burned a relationship to the ground. It created hardship that you wish you could undo or maybe somebody said to you or did to you. All of this, many of this is, is tied to the fruit of impatience. Here's the saddest thing of all. In Judges 16, 20, Samson has this supernatural strength from God. Yet he's, for the last 20 years, he has been living in his own world, perfectly catered to himself. And the Bible says that he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here is a man who has been gifted with the very strength of God. A mark of God's presence designed to be used for God's glory and for God's kingdom. And Samson over and over again uses it for himself. For a world perfectly designed to meet his desires. And yet, and and, and here he is, he lives this way over and over and over again. So much so that his heart has become insensitive and calloused to God's very presence. And he doesn't even know. That the Lord had left him. In other words, the strength that he had, he didn't realize that his strength had gone. And for many of us, we find ourselves deceptively falling into the same trap. And I don't mean to say that you put your faith in God and somehow you've lost your salvation and and no longer have a relationship with God. Yet, what I am saying is the very strength of God that is to be at work in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, the manner in which you are to love your neighbor, to love God, to love yourself, to love with patience, to love with kindness. Many times we have an absolute inability to do so because we have lost all sensitivity to God's presence. We see the same thing happening, not in a lifetime, thankfully, like Samson, but we see the same thing happening with Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. We see the same thing happening to Moses and Aaron. We see the same thing happening to King Saul. We see the same thing happening to David. Where their world becomes increasingly more about them 
And as they do so, as they live in this moment of self-induced creation, they no longer look with patience upon God's plans and His purposes. And this lack of patience bears fruit out, not just in their relationship with God, but in their relationship with others. You see, patience allows us to trust in a God that is at work, even though that God is at work differently in the people around us. He's got his finger on different things in the people around us. He has his purposes at work in different ways in the people around us. And when you have patience and you truly know that the God of heaven and earth is at work and that he is good and that he is faithful and that he has been faithful and patient with you, then you can in turn be patient with others. Second Peter chapter 3:15 Peter says bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. It's God's patience that's a gift to you. This is what has allowed you to literally come to faith. God isn't angry. He's not Zeus up you know, on Mount Olympus throwing lightning bolts down at you. That's not what God is doing. He sent his son Jesus for you and for me. And if there is anyone who has demonstrated in the flesh what it looks like to live this life of patience and kindness, is it not Jesus Christ? our Lord and Savior. His love is patient and His love is kind. Think about what Jesus endured. Think about His life of patience. Not only did He wait for God's appointed time, He waited patiently for all the, the, the stars to align before God sent his son Jesus. He waited for the lineage of David's line to literally become so depleted and so, so less than. That when he was born, he was born to, to, to nothing more than a carpenter and a teenage girl. And he was born in, a, in, in the know-nothing town of Nazareth. He was a Nazarene. Oh, our Lord Jesus demonstrated such patience, cosmically, eternally, and individually with you and for me. But think about this patience that he demonstrated. He grew up in a home. And his own parents were oftentimes confused. They didn't understand. Oh, Jesus demonstrated patience. His own family didn't believe in him. His brothers rejected him. Oh, Jesus demonstrated patience. His disciples disappointed him and frustrated him and couldn't even stay awake. After three years of ministry, they couldn't even stay awake in the garden on the night of his betrayal. Oh, Jesus demonstrated patience. And when Judas dipped the bread in the same cup as our Lord and Savior, and Jesus still chose to love and chose to spend the last night of his life with the man who would betray him. Oh, he knew great. Patience. 
See, Jesus stood in, in an unfair trial as he was spit on, as he was beaten, as he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head, as he had accusations hurled against him. Oh, he was patient. Oh, he stood patiently as, as his judge, Pilate, with no moral conviction or moral fiber, allowed the events to play out that led to his crucifixion. Oh, Jesus. Oh, he was patient. Ladies and gentlemen, you are the greatest illustration of Jesus' patience at work in your life. You're the greatest. You are the greatest picture of it. Me, all of us together, our church, our communities. Jesus is graciously, patiently at work inside of us, allowing us and breathing his spirit into us to, to become more and more like the very presence of God. We are to be literally the city on a hill. We are to be the salt of the earth. That means that you and I get to demonstrate the same character and quality of Christ. His patience, His kindness, His love and grace. And if this Spirit of God, if this Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, the gift that comes from Jesus Christ, if that Spirit dwells inside of you, then your love for others will look patient and it will look kind and gracious as well. This is what God does inside of us. This is how we become patient. We humbly have a revelation of who we are before a perfect and holy God. And when you come to the, to the, the end of yourself in this moment, and you truly realize the grace afforded to you, the patience that God has extended to you, how can we not? Therefore, be patient with everyone around us. This is the call that God has upon your life. And this is what our relationships so desperately need in this hour. Choose patience. Choose Jesus today. Choose his way. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, this morning, we are eternally grateful for your son, Jesus. God, we know there are so many things that we've messed up, that we've blown, that we, we, we still get wrong. God, we're a mess, and yet you, you still love us, and you still are at work inside of us. You're still changing us and making us new. God, how can, how can someone, how can you love people that are of, of, of such caliber, that are such train wrecks like us? You love us because you are good and faithful and kind and because you are patient. And it's your patience that means salvation. And so God, I ask today, we ask today that you would gift us with a greater capacity to be patient with brothers and sisters, with neighbors, with co-workers, with moms and dads and brothers.
God move in our relationships. Move in our relationships, Lord. Help us to walk with a patient love for one another. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It's great to be here with you today. It's great to continue this series that we're in as we work to love one another the way Jesus loves us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.